Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everyone? Welcome back into another episode of Bill's Talk with Matt Perino and my co-host Ryan Talbot uh, from NYUpInSyracuse.com. And we are a couple days now away from uh, the NFL draft. We've had a few days to let everything settle, let everything digest a little bit. And first and foremost, Ryan, feeling rested, feeling uh, uh, a little bit more energetic. Yeah, a lot more rested than a few days ago, for sure. I actually slept in until 9 a.m. a few days ago, which was probably the first time I've done that in at least a year. So pretty well rested over here. So, yeah, a, a big weekend for the draft and quarantine combined to let uh, Super Ryan Talbot uh, get some uh, get some rest. Uh, he does a lot of a lot of work over at the site. Go over and check it out. I actually um, I dropped uh, our grades. Uh, NYUP's uh, uh, full kind of report card slash, uh, you know, fun superlatives uh, on the draft. Uh, we had the best pick, under the radar potential pick, biggest impact pick, and puzzle pick. Uh, so go check that out at the site right now. Uh, that's fun. But we wanted to go live tonight uh, for a quick podcast to talk about our 53-man roster projections that are going to be coming out tomorrow on the site. Uh, we're going to give everybody a little uh, sneak peek of that here uh, on, on Facebook and and publish the podcast with the story tomorrow. And we're just going to run through each position uh, group a little bit here and talk about some of the guys that we cut, some of the guys that might we think might stick on the practice squad. But before we get to that, Ryan, and, and you had a little uh, conversation with uh, Joe Biscalia on social media uh, tonight about his that he put out. Um, this was This was a tough exercise. There's a lot more talent on this roster all of a sudden. Yeah, I was just going to say, it's a good problem to have. You know, 2017, Sean McDermott comes along, Brendan Bean joins after the draft. You could pretty much fire up that 53-man roster projection and feel pretty comfortable about most of it, just because the depth wasn't nece- necessarily there yet. You, you could kind of fill in the, the starting spots, and he had a pretty good feel. This year, fast forward now to 2020, it is a hard exercise to do. I, I probably went back and changed up my roster four or five times. It's like, well, I can't put that person on the list and not this person. And, and then you're trying to juggle. You can't have this many at this position. So it's going to be a good problem to have, but there's going to be some really talented players that get let go by the Bills this year. Definitely. And we'll we'll get this thing rolling right off the bat. And, and it's an interesting conversation to be had because – at the quarterback position, the Bills currently have four on the roster. Josh Allen, obviously, uh, you know, the, the the set in stone starter. Matt Barkley, who's been the backup. Davis Webb, who spent last season on the uh, practice squad. And somebody who 
from things I've heard, is really well liked in the building. He brings a, a kind of a coach mindset to the room, really smart. He's seen a lot of systems. And then uh, the fifth round draft pick uh, from over the weekend, Jake Fromm out of Georgia. And so both of us actually agree here that we think to start the season, Josh Allen, Matt Barkley, and Jake Fromm will be on the active roster. Tell us why. You know, I, one, Jake Fromm is a fifth-round pick. He, he was brought on for a reason to eventually contend for the backup job. Uh, and unfortunately, with this shortened offseason, because it, it's going to be shortened one way or the other, I don't think there's going to be enough time for him to prove that he is absolutely positively the best option to be the backup to Josh Allen. So I think you're going to have to carry three quarterbacks on this roster, which isn't ideal. You know, you want to save those spots uh, for a position, an extra wide receiver or an extra defensive lineman most years. But with the way the draft worked this year, I don't see a scenario where you're going to drop Matt Barkley for Jake Fromm. I don't see a scenario where you're going to drop Jake Fromm and try to get him on your practice squad. I know he lasted until the fifth round, but I feel like there would be another team that would try to come in and swoop and take him if the Bills did part ways with him. Yeah, I think that the idea that Jake Fromm can be the long-term backup option here is uh, a respectable one. I think it's one that makes a lot of sense. I think that the Bills probably don't pick him if they don't think that he uh, can fill a role for them long-term because we know how Brandon Bean values his draft picks. And so this wasn't just a shot in the dark without, you know, obviously they didn't go into the day planning to take a quarterback, but once you call out that person's name, there had to be a, a bit of a dis- discussion going on as that f- that pick approached with Fromm still sticking out on the board. Uh, so, you know, I think that they, Brandon Bean went down to Georgia uh, took in a practice, watched him in person. And so I think he has a good feel of who he is as a player. But even with all that and a leader, with all that said, 2020 is an important year for this team. And, you know, Josh Allen, if he gets hurt, you know what I mean? He plays an aggressive style of football. What are you more comfortable hanging this the reins over to? Is it Matt Barkley who, yeah, while you know limited in terms of what he can do as a passer, has been in the system for almost two years, has a familiarity with Brian Day and Ken Dorsey, and knows the offense and knows the weapons? Are, can Jay Fromm get up to speed quick enough to where you're at least at a place at some point this season where you're okay moving on from Barkley? Do you see uh, it? Yeah, at some point this season, absolutely. At the start of the season, I don't see that scenario. It's just too hard for me to envision. Like you said, Matt Barkley knows the ins and outs of this playbook. If something happened to Josh Allen early in the season, and this is a guy that runs and takes off with the ball and doesn't run out of bounds, he takes those hits on, I would not feel comfortable with Fromm coming in now midseason, late in the season, if he has a better grasp of the playbook and you've seen enough from him in practice. Absolutely. Maybe then... You, you kind of pull the trigger on that move. It might happen in season, but I don't see that happening before the start of the season. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a good it's a good problem to have all of a sudden. I mean, I think fans were a little bit um, not enthused, I think is the best way to uh, put it, about the quarterback situation before uh, this, this draft. And now there's at least more options. And I think that you can get to a place where – you know, even if you have to carry three quarterbacks, I think that, it, you know, you're okay. And also, if you do move out from Matt Bark, who's to say that anybody picks him up? Who's to say that he might not be available there uh, in, in, the, in the situation where you go with Fromm at some point, uh, Barkley moves on, 
Allen gets hurt and you bring Barkley back into the mix, maybe. I mean, I think there's so many uh, different ways you can go uh, with this quarterback room, and that's what Brandon Bean's done. And we'll go throughout this roster and we'll see some of the options that he's given himself. Uh, and next up, we'll go to the running backs because right out of the shoot, we're hitting them with uh, with two nice uh, conversation points. You know, we're, we're in agreement. Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, the new one-two punch of this offense. TJ Yeldon is going to be that uh, third running back potentially in the mix uh, at some point, but probably more so if Zach Moss isn't ready to go, but probably more so that depth piece if somebody gets hurt. Taiwan Jones is back to fill the special teams role that Sonoris Perry uh, took over last year when Taiwan Jones went to Houston for a season. And then it gets fun. Patrick DeMarco, current starting fullback. I have him making the 53-man roster. Who do you have making it and why? I have Reggie Gilliam. There's the name to watch, Bills Mafia. I'm calling my shot now, April 28th. All right, here's my reasoning. Patrick DeMarco, he's going to turn 31 in two days. Happy early birthday, Patrick. And what is he here for? He's not here for the offense, yet we still see him catch like one ball a game or get targeted one ball a game. He's here for special teams, right? I, I think mm-hmm. it's They already added Tyler Matakevich in free agency. There's another. There's a big free agent signing. They brought back running back Taiwan Jones. And what does Reggie Gilliam do best? Special teams. Six block kicks in two seasons at Toledo. Um, a guy that can play fullback. He was a one point kind of uh, a tight end of sorts. So you could probably actually use him as a pass catcher. And he could probably do a lot more than DeMarco, where DeMarco stands near the sidelines across from, from Josh. And Josh throws that pass that. It's either incomplete or goes for about a two-yard gain. Maybe Gilliam can actually do something with that. But Gilliam, I was just—I was saying today—is my favorite under-the-radar, undrafted free agent signing. I think that he has a legit shot of making this roster. Buffalo is going to meet with him before this COVID-19 outbreak. Now, I don't know if that was um, supposed to be like a private workout, if they were coming up for his pro day, whatever the case may be. But that had to get canceled. So there was some interest pre-draft in this in this prospect. I really think he has a shot to unseat Patrick Demarco. As good as Demarco's been, eventually you kind of have to rip the band-aid off with some of these veterans and a 31-year-old fullback. That might be the time to part ways. I, I love your line of thinking here so much so that you got me teetering. You got me wanting to maybe <laughs> change my pick a little bit here, but I'm going to stay with Demarco right now until I'm able to kind of see this thing in camp and listen. This is way too early. I mean, that's going to be in the headline tomorrow. Uh, you know, the draft just happened. Uh, there's there's still some pieces that can be moved around here. But I think that Patrick DeMarco is an underappreciated um, part of this culture. You know what I mean? I think that, you know, guys like Lorenzo Alexander, um, Kyle Williams before this, I think Patrick DeMarco belongs in that conversation with what he means in the room. And, you know, it's tough because obviously the on-field um, contributions aren't this at the level of what he brings in the room and in terms of, you know, being a leader of this team. But I still think that Sean McDermott has a, a great respect for that and a need for that in his locker room. He talks about guys that, you know, he can trust to convey his message to players. And, you know, how many people is is Patrick DeMarco touching? I mean, he's in the, li- he's in the, f- the running backs room the tight ends room, the offensive line room, special teams, talking to all these different position groups. So I think that that's important. And I agree with Tyler Medikavish coming in here. They feel that he can maybe take over the reins in a lot of that way from Patrick DeMarco. It makes sense. But I'll still stick with DeMarco for now. Wide receiver. 
but I love it by the way. I, I love shaking it up. That, that's a name that, you know, when I, when you were sent it to me, I was like, wow, this is a, a, a cool thing to think about Uh receiver. Obviously John, John Brown, Stefan Diggs uh, on the outside, Cole Beasley. That's your starting lineup. That's your uh, maybe the best trio in the AFC. Uh, and then from there, it gets interesting. We have obviously the two rookies, uh, Gabriel Davis and Isaiah Hodgins, uh, who were taken in the uh, fourth and sixth, sixth round, respectively. Uh, Andre Roberts, we both still have as the kick returner, went to the Pro Bowl last year as a replacement. And then we both have Isaiah McKenzie making this roster. And, you know, let me start off with why I went McKenzie, um, because this would be a nice area where I think you can go six receivers um, and be happy about it uh, because it'll allow you to keep another person on this roster. But what I like about McKenzie is he's, he's multifaceted. He, he brings a lot of different things to the table. You know, I think they're going to use Stefan Diggs in the, in the, um, you know, jet sweep game this year. But I, I think that that's a role that Isaiah McKenzie played pretty well last year. Uh, he gives you the option that if there is a receiver that goes on, goes down, he knows the offense. And I think of all, I, I put kind of him, Duke Williams and Robert Foster in this one little bowl together. And what makes me, you know, what makes Isaiah kind of rise to the top of the bowl a little bit is that he's been in the offense. He's produced in the offense. And I just think that he has the mental makeup. Um, and we'll talk about Duke Williams in a minute. Cause I think he does too, to kind of fight through this summer and make the team. Yeah. It was actually the other Isaiah that I almost had off the roster. It was Isaiah Hodgins that I had, uh, I had almost justify putting on there. Isaiah McKenzie, like you said, it has carved out a role with this offense. It, with the jet sweeps, uh, he can come in sometimes, and he's he, you know when he was out there as a receiver and he was targeted and he caught the ball, he, he moved the chains a good amount of the time for the Bills. He, he's never going to get confused as a top receiver in this league, but he's been reliable. He knows the offense, like you said. However. Um, it's going to be a tough competition. You have Duke Williams, you have Robert Foster, uh, you have the rookies. Now, obviously I, I think Gabriel Davis is, is a safe bet to make this team. Uh, but I, Isaiah Hodgins, I, I wouldn't go that far as to say that he's going to make this roster. He's a guy that maybe you could sneak on your practice squad, but for the time being, I do have him making, uh, this 53 man roster. Looking it over, Matt and I both agreed on the receivers that were going to make this team. We both agreed Andre Roberts is going to stick around for at least another year uh, as a kick returner. So that means that the following type of players are going to be out. You, you have Duke Williams, Robert Foster that are going to be out, Nick Easley, Ray Ray McLeod. Uh, no big surprise on Easley and McLeod. Uh, McLeod's a guy, obviously, that they like enough that they've brought him back a few different times for the practice squad and things of that nature, but uh, just not a guy that I see making that final cut. So wide receivers, I, I, I think you can kind of agree on, on the top four, top five, uh, especially if you get, if you add in the fact that, um, especially when you factor in the returner in Andre Roberts, obviously. So, uh, there's some intrigue at the bottom in terms of Duke Williams, a fan favorite from last year, making it uh, back on this roster again. Uh, a guy like Robert Foster, who Josh Allen thrived with um, when, when he was in his you know first season in 2018 at the end of the year, towards the end of the season, they had one of the highest uh, 
he had one of the highest pass ratings in the league when targeting Foster, but Foster kind of disappeared last year uh, with, with all that talent, all that depth. So um, yeah, before we get to tight ends, I, I just want to s- talk on Duke Williams for a moment because, you know, I think Duke Williams for his, you know, at times hard as I've been on him for the performance in the, the playoff game where I thought, you know, there was a couple plays that he left in the field and don't get me wrong. You know, John Brown left a couple plays on the field, you know, Dawson Knox, Mitch Morris. I mean, you could go up and down that offensive lineup and, and figure out a play or two here or there where, you know, a guy let down the team. So I don't want to put too much on Duke, but you know, when you get those kind of opportunities, you got to take advantage of them. And so I think that he's got the kind of makeup to go back to the drawing board, figure it out and, and, and go into next season and really make a push. The problem is when you spend draft capital, uh, on receivers, big receivers, guys that are known for their hands, their reliability. And what did Sean McDermott say after the season, just after the season, we want to bring in guys that Josh Allen can trust. So now we're going to see if Gabe, Gabe Davis and, uh, Isaiah Hodgins are those guys, but it's going to be fun. This is, this is one of the most fun positions now, all of a sudden, if you could just go back a year and, and look at where this position was, um, a year ago, right before the start of free agency uh, in 2019, we're talking about Zay Jones being, you know, I think I put out an article then, is Zay Jones going to be the number one receiver on this Bills team? And man, how the mighty have fallen since then. <laughs> and so, you know, it's a really fun position and uh, it's going to be fun to track that when camp finally arrives. But at tight end, who do we got? Well, we have the same three. We obviously have Dawson Knox as our number one. I think we both agree a lot of athleticism there. Uh, uh, a guy that could be a mismatched nightmare for this offense if he's utilized correctly. We have Ryan Croft uh, at, as our second tight end. And then we have Tommy Sweeney. Tommy Sweeney is a guy that you and I both like a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, not to give too much away in our article tomorrow, uh, but I actually mentioned I wouldn't be shocked that if by the end or maybe midseason next year, Sweeney overtakes that tight end two role. I, I think he's that good. I, I think he's a reliable blocker. I think he's a solid pass catcher. And when he was given opportunities as a rookie, I thought he really shined. That season finale early in the year and uh, week one, I think he actually put up a decent stat line. So he, he did well when he was given his moments. Man, I'll tell you, I really liked um... – that Pittsburgh game for Tyler Croft. And, you know, finally, after how much he was plugging away at things, he finally, you know, made a big play in a big moment, sent the bills to the playoffs. But I agree with you in that. I remember so many moments from last season from Tommy Sweeney. And I think that he showed so much just in year one, he was thrown into the fire, man. I mean, Dawson Knox get hurts, gets hurt early. Tyler Croft got hurt on the first day of OTAs and there's Tommy Sweeney. Okay. Uh, we need you to be our starting tight end uh, for the next couple weeks. And he handled it so well. He looked really good in the first couple weeks. I thought, uh, you know, he's, he's really well-rounded and he's going to make a significant jump from year one to year two based on, you know, just the things he knows he has to get better at. So I'm totally with you. I think we finally see the end of the Jason Kroom story. Uh, although I, I hope that he gets a full training camp and preseason whatever that looks like so he actually gets to play in some games you know he if you remember he was hurt all in the lead up to the last preseason game he got to play in that last one and then obviously uh, went back on the injured list but you know i just like to see him get a real crack at things and it's going to be tough to move on from lee smith but like we've talked about i think tommy sweeney dawson knox tyler croft you you have a lot of talent there and because you look up and on this roster it's going to be tough to keep four tight ends 
um, unless you're willing to move. Or if you can't keep four tight ends and three quarterbacks with how deep this roster is. I agree completely. And that's what, you know, we, we talked about it with the quarterbacks. When, when you keep three quarterbacks, that takes away an extra tight end or an extra defensive lineman because when we, you know, again, not trying to get too far ahead of ourselves, offensive line and defensive line, so many tough decisions. And not that it wouldn't have been tough if there was one extra spot for the two areas, but with three quarterbacks, you have to make those tough decisions. You have to keep three tight ends. You can only keep so many offensive and defensive linemen. So, you know, that's the price you pay when you have three quarterbacks on your roster. We're going to go to the offensive line. We'll go quickly through this. Um, you know, it's basically the starting lineup from last year with Deion Dawkins, uh, Cody Ford, Quentin Spain, John Feliciano, Mitch Morse. They're all there. Uh, depth pieces, Ty and Secchi, Daryl Williams, both can push for, for playing time as starters. I think it's stay healthy. Uh, Spencer Long is that backup guard. And then Ryan Bates, who can play guard, tackle, and center. Uh, we really like that nine. If you look down uh, at the cuts, some of the guys that we have not making the list, Evan uh, Bame, uh, who the Bills just signed from Miami, uh, he's a cut. Uh, we differ on Garrett Garrett McGinn, who uh, you believe will get cut, whereas I think he'll land on the practice squad as opposed to Ike Bucker, uh, who you think will be on the practice squad. Why? What made you think that? Yeah, well, Bakker's this guy that they, they seem to really like. I mean, to the, to the point where they kept him on that 53-man roster last season where I can't remember personally ever having him on, on one of my 53-man projections. I thought he was going to be a tough cut, mm -hmm. but I thought he was going to be a practice squad guy last year. And, and instead, he makes this roster. He he didn't get a ton of playing time, obviously, because the, the starting offensive line was pretty healthy all season, first and foremost. Mm -hmm. um, but now, especially with a guy, a guy like Daryl Williams on this roster, and you still have all that, uh, those players that bring that additional versatility. I don't see a spot for him on the 53 man roster, but I think they value him enough. that They're going to try to get him on the practice squad. Now they tried that a few years ago, Kansas city claimed him for a, a short period of time before they let him go. Um, so it, it's no guarantee, but if I were to choose between those two, I, I think Botker's, um, in my opinion, would be more realistic at practice squad, but they also like McGinn enough that they brought him back to, to see what he could do. Uh, Bame, Bacher, both of them were tough cuts, though, because, you know, I kind of want to see what they can do before before we obviously get closer to the season to make our final projections. Uh, but I think they're both in play still for this roster when, when uh, all is said and done. Yeah, you have uh, uh, Trey Adams um, landing on the practice squad. I have him actually being cut, and again, it's really tough to do this right now. We haven't gotten a chance to really look at, at Trey Adams. And he's a guy that, you know, for, I think it was, you know, two rounds, it, he was hovering around the best available players left uh, on the draft board. And he obviously slid and the bill signed him as an undrafted free agent. Um, the talent is there. There's no question about that. It's, can he stay healthy? And uh, we'll get a really good uh, look at him. Hopefully, uh, in the summertime, but what do you think, uh, John mentions, do you think he'll make the team? What do you think his chances are? Because I do think, um, the depth at tackle all of a sudden, I think it depends on what, what they're going to do with Cody Ford. If Cody Ford truly is going to get moved inside to guard. Um, I think that completely shakes up everything. If Cody Ford starts to tackle and Deion Dawkins starts to tackle, there's two tackle spots and is Trey Adams, uh, going to beat out Daryl Williams and, uh, Ty and Secchi. I'm not sure. Not, you got to remember uh, Ryan Bates, who's been in the system now for a year as well. So um, interesting stuff. Where, where do you land? 
You know, uh, of those offensive tackles that you mentioned, the only one that maybe you can make a case for him beating out, and, and I'm not saying it from a, a talent perspective, but the the you have to kind of look at the age of these players. Maybe an Inseki kind of, you part ways with him because he's up there in age. Now, he, he was being praised as a great signing last year. When he was on the field, I thought he actually played very well. But you've mentioned he seemed to always be uh, be in pain or be hurt. He was always covered in those ice packs and, you know, so on and so forth. So maybe at some point, if you feel good about your overall depth, let's just say that they like Ford as their starter at right tackle. They feel comfortable with Daryl Williams maybe as the backup there or Bates. Then, you know, you could kind of stash Adams on that roster, bring him along slowly. Now, the other scenario with Adams, someone kind of said to me on, on Twitter today, could they do what they did with Sean Joseph, where they, they kind of put him on the injured reserve out of the blue? And I'm not saying there wasn't an injury to Bashan Joseph because there was. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if Adams gets dinged up and he, and he has that history of injuries, obviously, and they like enough out of what they, they see from him in that limited time, that's absolutely something they could do, a sneaky move where you keep him on your roster, you kind of get to get him in the system for a year, he gets some time to kind of learn the playbook, build up some strength. Like you said, the talent's there. It's just can this guy stay healthy? Uh, bulging disc, torn ACL, uh, sophomore year. There, there were people talking about this guy's potential first round pick or a lock at least for the second round. So, can you re- can he return to form? Maybe, but we've also seen those players that they've had the injury history at the college level, and it just didn't get any better at the pros either. So, he's a guy to watch, but I'm not going to say that he's going to make this roster at this time. Right, and you know, obviously, you know, Bates is. I put him in here and I'm, I'm starting to, you know, we're really starting to think about all the options here. And yeah, I could see a scenario where Trey Adams completely outplays Ryan Bates in the preseason and earns himself a roster spot. And it's not out of the realm of possibility. Um, but I want to see it before I'm willing to, because I saw Ryan Bates come in and play last year and do what this, this regime really holds in high regard and that is flash position flexibility and played a high level at, at several spots. So he has that going for him heading into the year. So we'll see how that plays out. Let's flip over to the defensive side of the ball uh, real quick. Um, I think the defensive line is pretty much set. I think that there's a, you know, you can make an argument that they could go nine deep here. We have them going eight deep and we have them uh, going with Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison as your likely starters on the edge. A.J. Epinesa, the rookie second-round draft pick. Quentin Jefferson, free agent from uh, Seattle. Uh, defensive tackles, Qu- Star Tulele, Ed Oliver, Vernon Butler, and Harrison Phillips. And this could also change uh, based on Harrison Phillips' health and where his availability level is at as we move towards the season. But that's the eight we're going with. And if you notice, there's a name not on that list. Um, before I throw it over to you, I will say, like I mentioned, there is a real – scenario that I could see play out where they go into this season with nine defensive um, linemen. And part of the reason for that is Epinesa, Jefferson, but uh, even Addison to a lesser degree have the ability to flip inside at times and play on the interior. I mean, you heard Brandon Bean say, you know, some of the stuff that he liked out of Epinesa was the versatility and his ability to move inside to three tech. So I could see a scenario where Trent Murphy remains on this roster and they still have, you know, this group and maybe Harrison Phillips, they want to slow play his return. Um, It'll be interesting to see, but as it stands right now, we have Trent Murphy being a cut. 
Yeah, and that was a tough one. It really was. I know some people will scoff at that and say, oh, they're going to save all this money by doing it. But look at what he did at the end of the regular season. He had a great game against the Jets. In the end, and yeah, it was a meaningless game, but he racked up a few sacks there. Fast forward to the playoff game against the Texans. Three sacks, I believe, in that game off the top of my head. Uh, was was just all over the place and was uh, making life difficult for Watson at times. So he, he ended the year really strong. But like you said, when you look at this roster, Addison was brought in for a reason. He, he's a guy that can get after the quarterback consistently. No fewer than nine sacks over the last few years, 39 total over that time. Jerry Hughes is still Jerry Hughes. He's going to at least get those pressures. I think he's a guy that can still record a lot of sacks, too, and I think it's going to be a lot better this year with that talent that you have on the interior and what you have opposite him, uh, opposite of him at the other defensive end spot. Epineza, obviously, is a lock to make this roster. Quentin Jefferson is a guy that can flip inside, outside. He has that versatility. They brought Butler in, you know. But like you said, it's going to come down to Harrison Phillips. Is he going to be ready to go? Is he going to go on the pup? Uh, Where is he going to be at the start of the season? Because if he's not ready to go, then, yeah, you can make the case for keeping a Trent Murphy. Or if, if, you're, if you are just set on, on parting ways with Murphy, you can bring a Daryl Johnson on this roster to start the year and then kind of move from there. Uh, Mike Love as well could be a, a possibility. It's going to be difficult, but this is what you and I are, have been talking about. When you build up your roster and you have this much talent, it's a good problem to have when you can part ways with a Trent Murphy and not blink an eye, and you can feel good about what you have. So w- would it hurt it, to a certain extent to get rid of Murphy? Sure. He, he ended up uh, last season strong. Yes, he, he never really necessarily played up to that contract early on from what he was getting paid. Uh, but he was coming off of a pretty serious injury himself, and he was kind of returning to form, I thought, last season at the end of the year. So that's, a, like I said, a good problem to have. Murphy gets cut. You you have all this talent, and again, a lot of guys that have that position versatility that can bring a lot to this defense. You know, with don't rule out also, you know, Brandon Bean flipped Wyatt Teller and Russell Bodine right before the season last year for a fifth and sixth round pick. Who's to say that a team's, you know, starting edge rusher goes down and they need some depth that they want to just add Trent Murphy. Who's going to on the last year of his deal and has some cap space. You know, it makes a lot of sense to try to flip him for a fifth or, or, or even lower. Just you know, that's what Brandon Bean does so well. So don't rule that out as well. Bring him on through this whole process and then try to, you know, move on while adding an asset. Um, let's go to the linebacker position. Uh, we got three left to go and linebacker is interesting because there's a lot of unknowns. I think that what we do know is Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Milano, AJ Klein locks to make the roster. Uh, Tyler Matikevich, like we mentioned, his special teams prowess, he's going to be on the roster, going to be on the 53. Then it gets interesting because Voshan Joseph was out all last year. Tyrell Dodson obviously had the off the field incident. The Bills kept him through that whole process. Um, and so I think both of those guys are going to be fighting uh, for a roster spot. And I think that their presence is why the Bills didn't address the linebacker position in the draft. And, you know, really in free agency other than A.J. Klein, because I don't think Medikavich, while he can be the backup interior uh, interior uh, middle linebacker, I don't think that, that you want to land in a situation where he's playing significant snaps. And it's interesting. Talk about the position flexibility and Brandon Bean bangs that drum. A.J. Klein has experience playing in the inside as well. He can play middle linebacker. So uh, I think that this position's tough to figure out. 
Um, I have uh, Mike Bell and Delshawn uh, Phillips getting cut. Uh, both of us do. We both have Tyrell Dodson landing on the practice squad with Voshan Joseph making the roster. Yeah, uh, Dodson and Joseph are, were the two that I was kind of flipping back and forth. I think they like Corey Thompson and what he can do in terms of that depth role, uh, a special teams play, things of that nature. Medikavich, we both just said, has that special teams experience. Klein can play inside, outside. If something were to happen to Edmonds, he could kind of slip inside. So, you know, they don't have to necessarily say we need that position or backup for this specific linebacker position because there is some versatility there uh, with Klein, with Thompson, with, you know, and then what they end up doing with Dodson and, and Joseph. Uh, at the end of the day, I went with Joseph just because he won. He was a draft pick from this regime. They, there was obviously something that they liked enough from him that they felt like he could be a, a player on this roster, a contributor on this roster. So time will tell there. But like you said, they, they obviously felt there was enough talent there that they didn't have to go uh, linebacker, which you know some people did think that was a sneaky need and something that they could have addressed sooner rather than later. Uh, early on in the draft process, a lot of people had us targeting guys like Logan Wilson, whose draft stock obviously went up a little bit as the process went on. Uh, but there, there were linebackers added in a lot of these mock drafts just because we, you know, people thought from the outside it was a sneaky need, but the team obviously disagreed with that. Yeah, and it, this was tough for me as well. I, I really like Tyrell Dotson and his um, ability to play multiple spots. I think Voshan Joseph... I think he's more athletic and potentially more explosive, but I think Tyrell Donson is kind of a headier player, somebody that, you know, really kind of grasps things at a much quick, quicker pace uh, in the off season last year. So it'll be interesting to watch that play out uh, at cornerback. We're almost on the same page. Shadavius white, uh, Josh Norman, uh, Levi Wallace. And then it gets interesting uh, at Taron Johnson, obviously in the slot. Then it gets interesting because, uh, I think EJ Gaines won't end up making this roster. I think they'll go they'll go back to uh, the model that was successful last year, where you know Josh Norman kind of funnels in for that Kevin Johnson role. They go with three cornerbacks, but have Saran and Taron, who they believe can both go to the outside. You think that they'll uh, end up cutting uh, Dean Marlowe and keeping uh, EJ Gaines? Explain. Yeah, you know, it's just what you've seen from Gaines. Now, again, there's a big asterisk next next to this. Can he stay healthy? History has said no, to be mm -hmm. quite honest. But when he has been able to be on the field, he plays very well. He showed how well he fit into this defense in 2017 when he when he played 11 games or started 11 games, then went eight and three. He he proved to be a valuable contributor to this defense, and at worst. I think that it would be the Bills would feel it would be uh, nice to have him there as a depth behind Wallace, behind Norman, another guy that you can kind of rotate in there. Uh, maybe I mean, and who knows what they they have in mind for one of those guys? Maybe they want to try him, one of them on the inside too. I, I don't necessarily think that, but I just think that Gaines, from a talent perspective, uh, if he's healthy, he's he's one of the top fifty-three. Now again, time will tell if he stays healthy there. Uh, and then my reasoning for Marlowe is, is just so much that safety. Obviously, you have that one-two punch with Hyde and Poyer. Saran Neal, obviously, he was used at times as that big nickel, but he he really carved out a role on special teams last year. I thought he was kind of the MVP of, of the special teams uh -huh. unit last year. And then Jaquan Johnson, there's a lot of upside there. So mm -hmm. in my mind, I said, okay, Marlowe, they like him. They re-signed him. He has experience going back to the Carolina days. But it's, again, one of those tough decisions that had to be made if everyone stays healthy. 
And I just kind of said, okay, there's more question marks in my mind at the cornerback position than there is at safety. So I'd rather keep on that extra player at that cornerback position. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I think Marlowe is going to take over the Kurt Coleman role. Uh, I think that he's going to, um, they like the, I think that's why they brought him back. And, And obviously they're, they're getting pretty set with their, their safety room. And I think they trust Dean not only to, uh, you know, play some big nickel, but also be that you know number one veteran presence if anything happens to Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. I think Jaquan Johnson is a great young player, a very exciting, ton of upside. But if one of those guys get hurt, are you are you willing to kind of roll the dice uh, with Jaquan Johnson? If somehow Jaquan Johnson gets hurt, then it's Saran Neal who hasn't really played safety in over a season. So I think that was my uh, my reasoning there. Will it'll be interesting to see how that uh, position breaks out, uh, plays out. Um, let's go to the special teams before we get out of here. We both had uh, Kari Vedvik uh, making it a- as the putter punter after a mm, lackluster year for Corey Bohorkas. I still don't think he was as bad as I think a lot of people thought he was. Uh, it's tough to, to punt in Buffalo, but I think an upgrade uh, should be uh, something that they can get maybe in Vedvik. We'll see. Uh, Reed Ferguson, we both have making the team. And then we'll, we'll close this thing out with a bang. Uh, I still want to get to a couple of cut, cut guys before we get out of here. Um, but I got... Steven Hauschka, the veteran, uh, the savvy veteran, uh, hanging on to his spot and beating out uh, Tyler Bass uh, at the kicker spot. But you have Bass making the roster. What, what's your what's your thinking there? Well, well first, let me say, I, I was trying to come up with a scenario where you keep both kickers on, and then I said three quarterbacks, two kickers. I would absolutely hate that roster. Uh, so that would be, be a throwback to like 1985 or something. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I just couldn't, I, I couldn't uh, justify it. And then at the end of the day, I look at Bass, and yes, he's a kicker, and yes, he's a rookie, but he was the number one kicker on a lot of draft boards. He wasn't the first kicker taken in the draft. I know the Patriots took a a kicker, and there's some controversy there. Uh, But Bass was overall this guy that was number one on on most boards. He has the big leg. He's a guy that, um, you know, it's hard to trust a rookie coming in. There was a time last season where I thought the Bills were going to, part ways with Hauschka or at least mm-hmm. uh, consider it when, when they tried to put in a claim on um, boy, I'm blanking on names tonight. Uh, oh, he was on the roster at the start of the season. He ended up signing elsewhere. Uh, oh, um, Schmidt. No, no, no. I can, I can picture him too. Yes. He went to the Chargers. Chase, he, he Chase McLaughlin. Chase there McLaughlin. it is. There you go. So, you know, when, when they tried claiming him and bringing him in, I thought, okay, you know, that could have been the end of, of Hauschka there. Now, Hauschka, to his credit, rebounded nicely after that. Uh, he was actually pretty accurate after that point. And, and in the playoffs, he made every, every kick. Mm-hmm. But the, the distance is starting to go. And you, you kind of have to sit there and say, okay, Hauschka has been pretty reliable. But the distance is gone. There's there's going to be at least one or two games where it might come down to a field goal, and it's going to be: Do I want? Do I feel comfortable enough that Hauschka can make a long kick, or do I feel comfortable enough in a rookie that can make a shorter kick? It, it's a tough decision because a rookie can get thrown off his game very easily. We've seen some high picks at the kicker posi- position um, struggle and, mm-hmm. and be out of the league earlier than a lot of people anticipated uh, in Tampa Bay, especially a few seasons ago. So it, it's. It was one of those things that I went back and forth on. But again, same thing as, as the fullback position. I said, eventually, you have to pull that Band-Aid off. You have to move on. And I think there's no time like the present to, to move on from Hauschka. 
I don't think Bass is a guy that you can sneak on your practice squad. I think some other team would try to, to claim him because there's going to be a lot of teams that go through kicker issues this season, whether it's a shortened preseason, whether it's at training camp, they're not going to like what they see. And if the number one kicker from the draft is sitting out there and available, I think another team's going to try to, to poach him. Definitely. And I think this is another one that maybe you uh, have me teetering once again. Uh, I, I think it's a serious problem if you're going into this season and you have to rule out kicking field goals past 55 yards because you can't trust your kicker to get it there. And this guy, uh, Tyler Bass, is out there posting videos on social media where he's standing on one leg and kicking 50 yarders like it's nothing. So, yeah, I think this is – I really want to see how it plays out in the preseason. Uh, Hauschka's been so good for so long, but – uh, it might it may be time to move in that direction, so that'd be fun. Before we get out of here, uh, a couple of these decisions. I uh, I have the Bills cutting Trey Adams, keeping Davis Webb, and also cutting Robert Foster. Those were my you know th- th- those were the three that I was kind of toying uh, around with at the end of this list. And Foster, I just think. I'm not confident in him having the ability to bounce back, not only from a lackluster year two where granted the opportunities maybe weren't there, but when there were opportunities, he really didn't do anything with them, but also to sit there and watch all off season as the bills add Stefan Diggs, draft two other guys. And now you're coming in here. Uh, and not only do you have all of these other players, but Oh yeah, by the way, Duke Williams outperformed you last year in the opportunities that he got. So I think that Robert Foster is going to be a guy that they cut. I, I think they like Nick Easley as a potential slot backup uh, safe bet in case anything happens to Cole Beasley. Um, they really liked him in camp last year. I thought he was good. I don't know if he um, has that kind of ability, uh, but I just think that Robert Foster's time will be will be done. What, what did you have here at the end uh, in terms of cuts? Yeah, so, you know, we, we tried to put the other practice squad. I actually had Foster and Duke Williams on that. I actually, now you have me swaying a little bit about Easley because the one thing about Easley, before the, I even saw him play, is he was hyped up as is creating separation in the slot. Mm-hmm. So to have him come on and, and be like that backup for Cole Beasley, someone that you can have waiting in the wings if something happens, it makes a lot of sense. Now, maybe you, you kick a... A Hodgins on the inside, a, a big wide, a uh, big wide receiver, a much different type of slot. But th- there's been some discussion of that possibly being in play there. Um, but it's not bad to have someone that fits that mold of Beasley waiting in the wings, especially because Beasley's getting up there in age too. Beasley's roster spot is obvi- obviously 100% safe. Don't get me wrong, but it's nice to have that in case there's an injury that you could bring someone in that would have a, a year plus of knowledge of the playbook which is something that's going to be important this time of the year with this shortened off season uh, to, to be waiting in the wings. So I, I'm actually interested to see if easily can kind of stick on that practice squad. Great stuff, my man. Uh, this was fun. Uh, we went 45 minutes. I thought this was going to be a nice little 20 minute uh, quickie, but that's okay. <laughs> uh, we will be back tomorrow night at 7 PM for our live weekly show. Bill's talk live Wednesday. We are going to have special guests, uh, Channel 4 WIVB Sports Director Josh Reed will join us for the first 30 to 40. And then we'll have Nate Geary, uh, WGR 550 uh, talk show host, the host of pregame and postgame, uh, you know, the, the bill uh, before and after the Bills game. So it is going to be a packed show tomorrow. We're so excited. 
Make sure you find us on all of your podcast platforms. Search uh, Buffalo Bills Talk with Matt Perino. Uh, it's Matt Perino and Ryan Tablet. We got got we made this on the fly, so we're we're kind of trying to no worries get, get with it here. But uh, no, we we're really rock and rolling. We really like these live shows. Uh, we didn't really do questions today, uh, but tomorrow bring your questions. We will talk about anything that you want. We'll react to the draft. Talk a little bit about this and more uh, with Josh Reed and Nate Geary. Uh, for Ryan's help, I'm Matt Perino. Keep it locked on the NYUpinSyracuse.com for all your Bills content.